the text for our sermon this morning. The text for our sermon this morning. The text for our sermon comes today from Psalm 119, verse 25 through 32. So each week we've been reading a little eight-verse section. Here is our section for today, beginning at verse 25. The psalm writer says, I am laid low in the dust. Preserve my life according to your word. I recounted my ways and you answered me. Teach me your decrees. Let me understand the teaching of your precepts. Then I will meditate on your wonders. My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Keep me from deceitful ways. Be gracious to me through your law. I have chosen the way of truth. I have set my heart on your laws. I hold fast to your statutes, O Lord. Do not let me be put to shame. I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. We pray. Dear Lord, you have sent us your word to strengthen us and encourage us and guide us. Please bless our study of your word this morning. Send your Holy Spirit to us to strengthen us in the things that you want us to believe and to do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to the fifth sermon in our series on Psalm 119. So five weeks ago, we introduced this psalm and we said Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the entire Bible. It is also the longest chapter in the entire Bible. Uh, but aside from its length, Psalm 119 is special because I think this is easily the most passionate tribute to the daily value of God's word that has ever been written. And already in this series, I think God is framing our understanding of just how important his word is. We've talked about how God's word shines light on our path. We've talked about how God's word is like a weapon against temptation. We've talked about how God's word is wisdom, right? And we've talked about how God's word fills us with grace. So all these blessings of God's word for all these different parts of life, today uh, we're going to start for the last two weeks now, focusing in on a very specific topic, and that is that God's word is here for us during times that life is really, really hard. God's word is here for us maybe specifically during those times that life is really, really hard. So our text today, if you noticed, jumps immediately into it. Here's the opening line, I am laid low in the dust. Does that sound like a good place to be or not a good place to be? Probably not great. Uh, I actually don't love this English translation because I don't think it's as intense as what it actually says in Hebrew, which is this, my soul clings to the dust. My inner being, that most important part of me, is not just laying in the dust, but it's clinging to the dust. Uh, let's talk a little bit about dust in Israel and maybe we'll understand a little more deeply what this is saying. So still today, has anybody ever been to the Middle East? You raise your hand if you've been to the Middle East. Nice. Thank you, Abby. I'm raising mine because I actually have been as well. So in the Middle East, still today, dust is a daily reality. It's, you know, an arid desert type of climate, and dust is everywhere. And dust is a particular type of a substance. It's not the rich black earth that you can grow things from. It's not that useful red clay that you could bake into a pot. 
Dust is that gritty, sandy, yellowish brown stuff that whips around in the wind and it gets all over your stuff. It gets all over your clothes and stains them. It stings your eyes. It blows into your mouth and dries it out. It makes you choke. And if there's actually a wind blowing, depending where you are and when it is, you might have to duck back inside just to get out of that gritty dust blowing around in the air so you can actually breathe. So it's humid down here in Atlanta, which is kind of a different thing. But this dusty, hot wind whipping through the air is very draining and very exhausting. And because of these unpleasant properties that dust has, in the Middle East then, dust is something that's commonly associated with mourning and, and with grief. So think of our culture. If you are mourning, I think one of the cultural things people do is to put on all black clothing, right? Um, in Bible times and in the Middle East, the cultural thing to do would be to sit down in the dust and maybe even take a couple handfuls of dust and put it on your head. They just kind of heap some dust or some ashes was another thing, just heaping this upon yourself. So what, it, what is happening? Why would somebody do this? I think in our Western modern day world, when you're suffering, when you're grieving, the cultural expectation maybe is to just cover it up. So you try to act totally normal on the outside, while on the inside you're like dying from grief. In the East, the custom is make yourself as uncomfortable physically as you actually feel on the inside. So you could wear sackcloth, which is super itchy. You dump dust on yourself, which is not a lot of fun. And then everyone can see, and you are expressing just how terrible you feel. These are some of the ways that in Bible times people dealt with dust. So with this lengthy introduction to dust now in the rearview mirror, um, let me ask you this question again. What do you think would have to be happening for a person for them to say a sentence like this in the Bible times? My soul is clinging to the dust. This is more than just a person who's having a bad day. This is more than just a person who's feeling bummed out. These would be the words of a person who is wallowing in the depths of despair, and they don't feel like they are ever going to come out of it again. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever been so crushed and so wallowing in the depths of despair that you never feel like you're coming out of it again? I pray that you haven't, but at the same time, maybe there are points in all of our life where we do. Maybe it's depression, mental health issues, a chemical imbalance going on in your body that's making you feel this way. Maybe it's grief and loss and the shock of losing the person that you love. Maybe it's helplessness and frustration as you watch a person that you love suffering and there's just no way you can help them. Maybe it's worry. We talked about worry. Maybe it's anxiety over your own health issues, or your own job issues, or your own relationship issues, or whatever it might be. It could be a lot of things. But life has low points, right? And what we're talking about here is a low, low, low point, the depths of despair. It's made, if it's not rock bottom, I mean, it's close. My soul is clinging to the dust. So this is the life spot that we are discussing. And the question now is, how can God's word possibly help me in a time like this? Well, the psalm writer knows. He says, my soul clings to the dust, but preserve my life according to your word. 
preserve my life. That's a pretty reasonable prayer at a time like this, don't you think? When life is really, really hard, when it is the absolute lowest point, you might not be in a spot where you're ready to talk about a bunch of solutions, right? You may not be in a spot where you're emotionally ready uh, for a pep talk and to try to fix everything. And you may not even be in a spot where you can look ahead to the future and think through, God is going to use this and everything is going to be okay. That optimism might not be there yet. On your lowest day as you're lying on the bathroom floor or whatever it is, sometimes all you can do in that moment is just try to survive. And God's word is here to help you do that. Preserve my life according to your word. That's all he says about these hardest times. God's word is going to preserve my life. So what might that look like? How might God's word help me to just make it through my hardest moment? Maybe it's Bible stories that come to mind. Those well-worn stories of people like Job who went through terrible problems of their own and God got them through it. Maybe it's a classic Bible section. One of them that I would think of is probably every verse in Romans chapter 8 about how God is going to use all things for the good of those who love him, about how nothing in the universe can separate us from his love. But maybe in the hardest parts, maybe when you're lying in the dust, maybe it's just a single verse, maybe it is just a single phrase from the Bible that directs you back to who is in charge and who is going to work all of these troubles out. Maybe it's a verse like this one. Be still and know that I am God. And maybe it starts just running through your head like a mantra. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Be still. But God's word can work like this even through two words, right? When this is a verse we know and a section we know and this is where our faith is at, in the hardest times of life, God's word does not come to us with a whole bunch of strategy and fixes and optimism and you should cheer up and things are going to be better. Sometimes it is just simply be still. But what God does, even through a single passage of his word that we know in our hearts, is he takes our faith and our eyes and he directs them away from our problems and up to him, to the one who is in charge and the one who is greater and stronger than all the problems of the world. So 3,000 years ago, there was a day when a man named King David hit rock bottom, or close to it. He had been attacked and betrayed and driven far away from home, and he was feeling in so much anguish, in so much despair, that he did what he did at all of his major life spots, is he wrote a psalm about it. And here is the opening verses of that psalm, Psalm 61. David wrote, Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. So you think of this picture, right? A, a person sitting looking at this giant rock, this giant mountain. It makes you feel small. But the mountain is big, right? It makes you feel like you're just temporary, but that mountain has been there for a long, long time. And this is how we feel in those times of trouble when we look to God, to the rock that is higher than us. During these times, God's word doesn't offer us all of the solutions. It just directs our eyes to the one who's been around before the mountains. The one who holds the whole world in the palm of his hands. The one who, as our gospel lesson said, he feeds all of the little sparrows. 
He gives every plant of the field what it needs to survive. And if he is going to care for those things, of course, he will also care for us. So during our lowest points, sometimes all we can do is just try to make it through and survive. And God's word does exactly that by simply focusing us back on God and on his power. But God doesn't want us to just survive. God wants us to thrive. And so he keeps sending us his word as we go through different life situations that maybe are still tough, but they're not the absolute rock bottom worst. So now in the middle of our psalm, we move to a different type of situation. Uh, Here, the psalm writer says, my soul is weary with sorrow. It's not as bad as your soul clinging to the dust, but it's still not great. (laughs) My soul is weary with sorrow. And so you think about this one. Have you ever felt this way? where sorrow has just made you tired. What I thought of when I read this verse is the feelings that comes in the weeks and months and even years after a funeral. Right? So if you lose a loved one during the time right after, there's, there's people all around. This is what a funeral is for. People travel to come support you, and they hug you, and they, they love you up, and they say kind of awkward but well-meaning things. They're not sure what to say, but at least they're there for you. And then they start bringing you a ton of food, and you can't fit it in your refrigerator, and it's weird things like jello with sometimes like fruit in it or even vegetables, which I don't know why funeral food is so strange, but I digress. The support is good. We appreciate the people that gather all around us. But eventually they go home, right? And eventually they move on and they go back to their life and back to their job and back to their pursuits. But you can't move on because this is still where you're at. And so you just are kind of stuck. It's not the crisis of clinging to the dust, but it's really just being tired. You don't have the strength and the motivation to do much of anything. As the psalm writer says, your soul is weary with sorrow, just tired out from grief. But what does God's word do for you during a time like this, where you're trying to get back to your life and you're just feeling stuck? Well, the psalm writer knows. He says, my soul is weary with sorrow, so strengthen me according to your word. Now, how does God's word strengthen us? Well, he strengthens us, not by giving us a workout, but by reminding us of his strength. And in the other verses of this psalm, we don't have time to like look through all of them, but in this section, there's a phrase where he says, God, I will meditate on your wonders. And this is what God's word does for us. It reminds us of God's wonders and God's strength and what God has done already. God created the whole world in six days by the power of his word. God is so loving that he has guided people through all kinds of history and gotten them through all kinds of things. But most of all, the greatest wonder is that God became a person, that God came into our world and he took on himself the suffering and the pain and the injustice. And Jesus went to the cross and put on himself every sin we've ever done, all God's punishment for every sin we've ever done. And he took God's eternal punishment in our place so that we can get to live forever in heaven. All of this God has already done. And so the Bible reminds us of God's wonders from the past, that with God, all things are possible, that God has never forsaken those who seek him, that with God, whoever takes refuge in him will never be condemned. So God's word strengthens us, not by reminding us how strong we are, 
but by reminding us how strong God is and that he is our God and he is the one holding us and he is going to be the one holding us forever. And so therefore, he is certainly going to help us through our times of weakness and exhaustion right now. Eventually, eternally, things are going to be okay. So what have we said so far? God's word helps us to survive when we are at our lowest, just bare minimum survive. Then God's word strengthens us when we are weak. But God is not content to just stop there. He doesn't want us to be just bunkered down kind of waiting for heaven to come. God wants us to be energized. God wants you to be energized and motivated and excited about your life here on earth. And God wants to give you joy in your life here on earth. And guess what? God's word does that for you too. And I think the last verse drives that home so beautifully. He says, I run in the path of your commands. For you have set my heart free. And what a change that is from just seven verses ago. The psalm writer started this section with his soul clinging to the dust. And now he's not only standing up from the dust, he's not only walking, he's running. Because God has set his heart free. And we talked about that with the kids, and we illustrated that, I hope, with the bag and with the weights, that when we're carrying all this weight, we're so burdened down, enchained by this weight. And when God lifts off the weight of our burdens and worries, God sets us free. That's what the Peter reading said. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And casting something is not like leaning it or sharing it. It's a throw. It's a toss. When we've cast our anxieties at the foot of the cross, we can leave them there. And we'll sing in our last song today, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And this is really important, I think, for us to remember as Christians who focus so much on the death of Jesus on the cross for our sins. Yes, Jesus once carried our sins to the cross, but he doesn't just leave us now to carry all of our own grief and worry. Jesus promises to be with us every day of our life. He speaks to us through his word. He listens to us in prayer. He encourages us to cast all of our worries and burdens and anxieties on him so that he can carry them. And with the weight on God, our heart is free. Free to stand, free to walk, free to run. I run now in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. And God can do this even when we don't feel like he will. So last week, uh, last week I told you guys, shared with you a little bit about how fun it is to be a pastor. And that one of the blessings of being a pastor is you get to interact with a lot of Christians and be encouraged by other people's faith. And last week we talked about the blessing of faithful old people who've kind of built up this relationship with God's word. Um, today, in this text, I'm reminded of a different blessing of being a pastor, and that is getting to watch God bring people through things that they never thought that they could get through. So I've seen people go through a tragedy or lose a loved one or experience some kind of terrible crisis, and in that moment in their life, they honestly feel that they will never be happy again. They're just fighting for survival, and, and they make it through the survival stage, but they're like, it is never going to be happy again. Life is never going to be good again. And then you fast forward months 
and years, and sometimes it's just almost unbelievable over the space of a few years how many blessings God can pour into a person's life who in the past has experienced tragedy. And I think of Job. Job, who, whose life was just everything was taken away from him, and then what happens at the end of Job? God blessed him numerically with twice of the amount of everything that he had ever had, and God gave him a whole new set of children, and I guess you can read the whole book of Job, but it's got a happy ending at the end. And I've seen this in the lives of Christians, where you have somebody that feels like they, they will never smile again, and three years later they are motivated and they're excited and they're pouring out their joy for other people and God has put them in a spot in their life where if three years ago they had looked at it they would be laughing and probably crying and saying that will never happen I'll never be there and lo and behold they're there they're past being there they've made it through the dark valley God has brought them through the dark valley out into the sunshine and he's done that by walking with them with his word every single step of the way so this is what God's word does for us, and this, again, is something God's word is for. And I don't know where all of you are at personally. I don't know if there's somebody here or somebody listening online who's feeling like they're at the lowest low and just trying to survive this moment. I don't know if there's somebody here or listening online who is just exhausted by sorrow. It also may be that there are people here or listening online where life is pretty good, where things are going well, where things are going actually better than you even thought that they would. But in any one of these life situations, no matter what stage you're at, God's word is here for you to keep you grounded, to keep you focused, to help you look to the rock that is higher than you, to help you think of the eternal life that is prepared for you, to help you remember the God who's always got you in his arms so that you're comforted and you're strengthened and you're motivated to follow God through this life, sometimes just holding on to him, and he's pulling you through the ups and the downs, not only until he brings you to heaven, but he also makes you productive and a blessing to other people along the way. And so we thank God, again, for his word, which at every single stage of life keeps God connected to us, keeps us tied to his love, and leads us forward. Praise God for the gift of his word. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus your Savior. Amen.